What's going on? Welcome to All Elite Weekly. I'm your host, Matt Cruz. This is the first fan podcast, or any podcast uh, for that matter, devoted solely to the brand new wrestling promotion, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, Today is January 15th. As I sit and record this for you, I'm coming recorded from beautiful Riverside, California, where the sun has not come out at all today. But there's wrestling to be talked about regardless, man. Just at the top of the show, I wanted to to talk about this real quick because there's been a little bit of confusion. I am not in any shape, uh, in any way, shape, or form associated with or working for All Elite Wrestling. I'm I'm recording this currently in a room that has to be like eight by eight. It's it's basically like a geek prison cell. The the walls are lined with with Star Wars collectibles and, and things of that such. But I I by no way, shape, or form am endorsed by All Elite Wrestling. I'm just a fan, man. I've been a wrestling fan a lot of my life, like we talked about last week. Uh, but to be honest with you, I'm, I haven't been this excited for wrestling or the future for wrestling in a while. Uh, so that's why I'm doing this. I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting anything out of this. I kind of want to just have a platform to talk about this this new form of wrestling, or this new platform for wrestling, and, and wanted to be able to di- dissect into it on a weekly basis. You know what, man? I don't give a fuck if 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 it's a hundred k listening. I don't give a fuck if it's if it's one hundred people listening. If you are excited for all elite wrestling and ten minutes of your time were filled, and you're like, "Wow, that was great." It was. I mean, it could have been a better host, but somebody talked about all elite wrestling for like thirty minutes, and that's all I wanted today. That's why we're here. So, like I said, it's January fifteenth. Let's get into what's been going on as far as this past week's matches for all elite wrestlers. Until we get a Double or Nothing or Tuesday Night Dynamite further on down the road, it seems that we're still going to be getting some small matches here and there. I don't know how long this is going to go on. I did see that on Britt Baker's Instagram this week on her story. Uh, she sent out a link for booking inquiries, and it said something regarding limited time remaining for booking inquiries. I believe that's when exclusivity clauses will kick in in some of the all elite wrestlers contracts but who knows to be honest i i, I don't know the specifics of that but hey we got a couple of matches this week to talk about first of all this past friday january 11th um if you were in westbrook maine you either went to or missed out on limitless wrestling's snake bitten it was it came across my radar last week on instagram uh and i saw that the main event was going to be none other than New heel in AEW, MJF, Maxwell, Jacob, Friedman, teaming up with JT Dunn. Apparently, they have a, a history in this in this league in Limitless Wrestling, and they go by the name Kings. I haven't seen any of their previous matches, but they got a lot of heat down there. So the Kings were going to be taking on a team called Take Me Home Tonight that's made up of Ace Romero and Anthony Green in the final match, in the headlining match of that event. I haven't heard of any of these three other cats, but it was it's always a cool experience or a cool opportunity when you get to see new wrestlers by way of somebody who who you're already kind of invested in because you get to see them bounce off somebody who you're already familiar with and you i think it's you're a little bit more invested off the bat and you're more interested to see what these cats bring because they're interacting with somebody like an mjf so anyways let's get into that match i figured we wouldn't really go do full commentaries or anything like that for these matches just basically like a recap for the past week's matches it would be the the main format for the start of the show if, if you're interested in full commentaries, let me know, to be honest, because I have an idea that I have in the side of my brain here for, for some commentary matches, for some old all-elite wrestling matches. I'd prefer to just to do recaps of the new matches or the current matches as we go, but if you are interested in some old-school uh, commentary matches for the all-elite wrestlers, let me know. Give me a heads up, because I'm actually interested in doing that. So... I, I didn't get to see, like, there was no Fight TV or or PPV access for Snake Bitten's Limitless Wrestling. What I saw, well, what I saw of the match, I saw from a, a YouTube video from some cat sitting in the third row, like on a folding chair in this tiny little gym in the middle of, of Maine, man. But that's some that's where some of the best wrestling, I feel, happens, takes place is in, in, like, these places where, where these cats are still super hungry in tiny little dingy gyms all over the fucking country. And that's what this one was, man. Uh, but it, was some, it wasn't the biggest crowd, but it was, it was an engaged crowd. Uh, overall, the, the match had a good build. They started to get going. I felt like some, uh, some good heat between the two teams. There was a couple goofy spots, to be honest, like as far as grabbing each other in holds and kind of reciprocating the holds, like mirroring things like that. It's to be expected in wrestling. Not too, too silly. It didn't To me, it didn't throw me out. I, that big cat, uh, Ace Romero, a couple times did a little showboating like Ric Flair would do. 
I thought it fit. I thought it was pretty cool. But like I did say, that Ace Romero was a big boy, man. That's that's a big cat. He had to have at least 100, 100, 100 or 150 pounds on everybody else in the ring. This is a big dude. Not, uh, you know what? And not, the, not as slow as I expected. This cat got off his feet a couple times, did a drop kick. I would keep it if you're in the in the in that area in the main area if you get a chance I would go see a Romero. Uh anyways the match progresses at a certain point the rep they do like a classic shtick the ref gets knocked down uh, and then the Kings go to work man the Kings bring out a chair I don't remember who I think MJF instigates the chairs but they both bring out chairs and they start trading shots on uh on Anthony Green one thing that happens at a certain point, this is actually a question I have for for anyone listening out there. The double count out. It seems almost like a, an opinion or like someone's choice when they a ref's choice when they decide to do a double count out. Because I've watched hundreds of of wrestling matches where where cats were on the ground for at least like 30 40 seconds just struggling to try and get to a ring corner but every once in a while i'll be watching a match and it seems like it's it's been happening more recently too like i'll be watching a match both cats are down on the ground and immediately the ref starts going for a double count out not too big of a deal just just a question i've always had and something that i got reminded of in this match if you got an answer if you got a hypothesis uh give me a shot at all Eat weekly on instagram holler at me over there anyways the match keeps going the kings start working on ace uh, once again, MJF brings in a chair, and at this point, he's spotted by the ref is up at this point when MJF brings in the chair into the ring. He he starts to approach uh, Green, and the ref goes, you're going to get disqualified, and MJF gets in his face and goes, I don't give a shit. The crowd loved this, man. MJF is, is a great heel. He's a young kid, but man, he's doing some really, really cool heel work out there. I loved that. At a certain point, uh, Dunn and Ace, so the Take Me Home Tonight, they start smacking the shit out of each other. That was a pretty cool angle that I thought. At a certain point, these teams start to implode on themselves. So the, uh, Take Me Home Tonight are basically trading off shots, and every once in a while they'd turn when MJF or JT Dunn would run into the ring, boom, quick, take them out, and then start trading shots on each other, man. It sounded like someone smacking like a hippopotamus you could hear it you could hear it throughout the whole the whole fucking gym there every time they trade a shot to the face just bam the reverb on that was crazy jt dunn and ace romero start smacking the shit out of each other and from behind uh mjf on the outside of the ring does a blind tag on jt dunn jt dunn doesn't see jt dunn hits his elbow of death which is pretty cool he he he'll he'll take a step back and uh, and yell to the or proclaim to the whole gym he goes death bye elbow kind of cool kind of like nakamura kind of need to need a face he he hits that and immediately mjf jumps in for the for the pin boom one two three uh the win over there at snakebin wrestling goes to the kings mjf uh that was where the video that i saw ended but uh over on prowrestlinginsider.com they did have some info about well, the fallout of that match. I guess they did a little promo afterwards where the four of them were inside the locker room and they had to get pulled apart. I guess, they, like I said, they kind of started to, to show signs of imploding earlier in the match. And I thought that's some cool story work. So they start to implode and then in the backstage area, they got to get pulled apart. And the president of Limitless Wrestling come, basically comes out and is like, oh, you guys are out of control. What are we going to do? I know we'll have to have the four of you fight in a fatal four-way for the first ever Limitless Wrestling belt on march 9th i I mean kind of corny but kind of cool that's 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 wrestling for you i honestly don't think mjf's gonna hold any belt right now because of his non-exclusive deal that he's got going on which we'll talk about later in the podcast he's got too much going on at the moment to be holding a, a belt anywhere i feel at least all that i can hope is for that march 9th show some sort of biggie tribute maybe call it best wrestler of all time hopefully they don't die on march 9th uh, moving right along, Saturday, uh, Saturday, January 12th, if you were in Summit, Illinois, you either caught or missed Game Changer Wrestling's 400 Degrees, which again had some more MJF action. Uh, in the first opening match of the night, Maxwell Jacob Friedman was going to take on Jimmy Lloyd. I watched this one, unlike the the previous one, unlike Snake Bit, and this one was a pay-per-view. This one was on Fight TV. This is my first time using the Fight TV app. I thought it was pretty cool. I know that in the past I've heard it mostly referred to for like MMA and shit like that. I was unaware how much Ring of Honor shit was on there, how much indie wrestling shit was on there. And that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, I got to watch it for free. I think you get a couple bucks credit for signing up as a new user. And then if you use someone else's code, you get like another 10 bucks or an additional 15 bucks to use for a pay-per-view. 
I have my code on there. So if you want to go to All Elite Weekly on Instagram, you can find my post about 400 degrees. Boom, my code's on there. If you want to get a quick fucking 15 bucks credit, this thing only costs 11. Hint, hint. Anyways, off the bat, when the video starts playing, it's another smaller gym. Uh, I think this one is is a little bit bigger, but it, but it's still pretty small as far as, as the crowds that we're talking about for these kind of wrestlers or wrestlers of this caliber. I thought that it was pretty cool to see these two gyms. I think it's indicative of the kind of jump that MJF's going to be making for, for an AEW crowd. I think All In was probably the big... I don't know for sure, but I, 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 would, I would assume that All In was the biggest show that this cat's probably ever done. Uh, right off the bat, you got Joey Janela on the commentary, which is which is strange. I know Joey Janela has been hurt for a minute. I didn't know how bad his his leg situation was. Apparently, he was a, a ahead of schedule, and now he's back to being a little behind schedule or on par with schedule. It sounds like the guy's having a, a hard time being out of the ring, man. It sucks when you do something for years on end on a daily basis, and then then your body forces you to not be able to do it. That's got to be a crazy situation. I can't even imagine what this cat's dealing with, especially right now uh, with the announcement just happening. Everybody else is going out there and making their last couple indie bucks. Um, speedy recovery to Joey Janela, man. I, I, I hope I hope your knee starts to, to heal up quicker, brother. Uh, but he was enjoying it at least, man. Well, I don't remember the, the other ca- the other cat on the commentary table, but off the bat, they were a little buzzed throughout the night. You could hear fans bringing Joey Janela and the, and the other commentator more and more drinks and they just, they just get trashed, man. They have a, they have a pretty good time. Anyways, let's jump into the match right off the bat. MJF is the first one out. I was kind of, I was kind of surprised that he was going to lead the mat, uh, lead the night. I assumed you'd have MJF in, in a headlining role, especially with, with, the articles and the stories he's getting right now all the clicks but once i got later into the pay-per-view and saw the debris that was left into inside of this uh game-changing ring it made total sense man game changer wrestling is no joke that is some hardcore shit uh (laughs) mjf has again another example of the heat that he has right now once he gets in the ring he takes the mic the crowd immediately starts chanting shut the fuck up Shut the fuck up. I mean, this motherfucker hasn't even talked yet. He keeps that that going throughout the whole night, I would say. At a certain point, when the match starts, he, he Jimmy Lloyd is on the outside. MJF goes for like a fake out suicide dive. He runs, he hits the ropes like he's going to do a suicide dive. And then quickly, boom, flashes the fuck you to the crowd. Basically saying, I don't, I think he, at one point, I think he even yells out to the crowd. You think I give a shit about you? He's, he's on fire right now, man. He is hung agree and people are willing to throw that that hate right back to him like i said it's a hardcore crowd man at a game changer wrestling it's my first time watching anything of theirs and they love jimmy lloyd because jimmy lloyd is a hardcore wrestler i'd never seen this cat anywhere i mean he's got the he's got like a grungy look it was kind of cool to have the the dichotomy between mjf kind of coming out there in his burberry he's, he's always got the, always got the burberry like scarf he always seems a little bit classy I just thought it was a cool image. I thought it looked good. Later on in the match, at a certain point, MJF is outside of the ring. Jimmy Lloyd suicide dives over the ropes, smacks into MJF. Both of them go over the stanchion, the front. I mean, this little tiny stanchion. If you've ever been to like a horror nights or like a a uh, not scary farms or anything like that, or you're just waiting in line at like a premiere or anything, you know those stanchions, the big metal gate looking things you interconnect with each other. I mean, if I have no stanchions, trust me, I've I've put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stanchions next to each other. So I always kind of cringe when I see someone falling over stanchions or something like that. They used to literally be my job was to monitor that someone would not fall over a fucking stanchion. And at this moment, they both fall over the stanchion in the front row in this little gym. And the stanchions fall over with them. It's not like a WWE barricade where, like, if you go over the front, you know, they're fine. The cameraman's still going to be separated from you. Those fucking stanchions fell. And the crowd loved it, man. I I thought it was really cool. It's cool to see these kind of smaller wrestling things. I've never really been privy to them. And I I like delving into them, man. This is a knockdown, dragout match. At a certain point inside of the ring, uh, MJF and Jimmy Lloyd are going at it. Jimmy Lloyd, I don't even remember where. I think under the under the the the, the ring, he brings out a a door, like a door taken off of its hinges. I thought it looks like it could be a table or a door. They're calling it a door, and he props it up. 
I've never seen a door used as like a weapon. I, I can't remember a WCW or ECW. It's always just been tables or things like that. So he props it up and he's he he's it seems as if he's gonna put MJF through it and the crowd is like begging for it. They hate it. They're hating this guy. They're just begging to get MJF through that table. And the whole the match concludes at a certain point. Uh, we get almost to the end of it. That table has not come into play. MJF has eluded that ta- or that door the whole time. Anyways, we get to the end. MJF picks up the win. I think he rolls him up. I don't really recall. It kind of happens quickly, um, but it's it's overshadowed. It's overshadowed by like right after what a good sport MJF is. I thought this was cool because the the crowd, like I said, was begging for him to go. They wanted to see him go through that fucking door. And even though Jimmy Lloyd loses a match right afterwards, boom, puts a beat down on on MJF and puts him through that fucking door in the corner and the crowd loses their shit, man. Very cool match. Solid match. Not the best, but I mean, these cats out there are doing it every night. I thought the what I saw of the snake bitten match, I liked his work a little more. I know there were some goofier spots, but I think maybe the the psychology of it was a little a little better um overall the rest of the 400 degrees pay-per-view event if you're not a hardcore wrestling fan i wouldn't watch it there were so many moments where i had to look away i mean guys beating the shit out of each other with fiberglass tubes i mean tables at one point this guy brought out uh styrofoam like wrapping or packaging stuff which had like spikes which had almost almost like chiropractor or acupuncture needles like spikes sticking out of it and and slammed another guy on it someone stabbed another man with with tattoo needles just it was just fucking hardcore if you're down for that if you've got a strong stomach i would watch the rest of 400 degrees pay-per-view if not Maybe just the MJF match and, and and jump back over to some New Day. Moving along, still on January 12th, the Saturday, up in Vancouver, British Columbia, the Coov, as Jay Moore would say before he kicked me out of his house. ECCW's Ballroom Brawl 11 happened up there. Uh, I've never been to Canada. I've always wanted to go to Canada. Kind of feel like I'd stick out like a sore thumb in Canada, unfortunately, though. So if you didn't and you made it up there to Ballroom Brawl 11, send me some pics, man. Send me some clips. Uh, ECCW's official account actually was nice enough to send me a couple clips. So that was cool. I got to check that out. Right off the bat, you can see this is a super dope venue. I think the ballroom and and wrestling events going back to like early Raws have always kind of had a, a soft spot in a lot of our hearts once you see that kind of the ring and that kind of setup. I think it's always cool. Anyways, like I said, it's a really, really cool setup. Easily at least a few hundred cats, maybe a thousand cats. It's kind of hard to see. This was another one that I had to watch on YouTube, just like the snake bitten match. Uh, these, some of these smaller ones, I think a lot of cats on on an on an international or or just a, a nationwide scale don't get to see. So if you do get a chance, go out and see some of these smaller matches, man. Go see ECCW. Go see Limitless Wrestling. Go see Game Changer. Get the fuck out before you get smacked in the face with some glass. But see a couple good good matches, man. The headline match that was advertised for this was going to be Frankie Kazarian versus El Fantasmo. I've never heard of El Fantasmo, but I, I did see the, the flyers for it leading up to it. This was going to be the kickoff of SCU's worst tour. Anyways, once we get to the the, the video itself, I find out that I guess the, the, the card has been changed, which wrestling, we all know, subject card subject to change. People get hurt. People want more money. It's part of the business. We, we should be used to it at this point. Anyways, once uh, the event actually started, it was announced that Frankie Kazarian was going to be taking on Chase Owens. I've never seen Chase Owens, but I was still in at this point. Uh, What I had seen so far in the earlier matches was cool. I didn't see full matches. A lot of what I saw was highlights, but everybody was doing some good work. In the Frankie Kazarian match, right off the bat, when Chase Owens comes out, you see that there's a lady referee in the ring. Which shouldn't be a big deal. I know NXT has a couple lady referees, but I correct me if I'm wrong. Shoot, shoot me, shoot me a, a an email or something. But I think that they only referee the female matches. This was a lady referee just refereeing the main event of the night. Not that big of a deal. I just thought it was cool. Anyways, the match gets going. At a certain point, Frankie Kazarian hits his slingshot cutter. I've never seen the slingshot cutter. Which is basically, if you don't know what a slingshot, uh, slingshot cutter is, imagine Diamond Dallas Page's diamond cutter, except you're bringing someone from uh, standing on the outside of the the standing on the curtain, basically standing on the on the side of the of the ring, slingshotting them into the ring over the top rope with a diamond cutter. Very very cool move, man. I think Frankie Kazarian's got some some cool shit going there. 
we keep going. Owens hits a Styles Clash. Frankie Kazarian kicks out. Owen hits the Rainmaker. Frankie Kazarian kicks out. This cat has got some years in the business. You can't do that with everybody. I think it, or when you do to do that with, with younger cats, I feel that it takes away some of the prestige or some of the impact that those moves are supposed to have with a Frankie Kazarian, someone who's been in 18, 19 years in the business and who's really proved themselves kicking out of a rainmaker, kicking out of styles clash to me is just cool. And I think it's just building that guy's resiliency and really building him up as a tough SOB, man. I love that. Uh, towards the end, we get to the finish. Chase Owens gets Frankie Kazarian on the top rope, hits him with the superplex. Frankie Kazarian absorbs the superplex, uh, absorbs the superplex, rolls him up. One, two, three. SCU later, Vancouver. Moving on, January 13th, the next day, Ring of Honor had their Honor Reign Supreme pay-per-view. And what I thought was interesting, well, there was no AEW signees. Nobody, no Cody, no Britt Baker, no Young Bucks. No SCU, nada. And I don't think we're going to be getting many more appearances of AEW signees in Ring of Honor, but I don't know the particulars of everyone's contract or when they're scheduled to. Speaking of which, the next day, Monday, January 14th, moving right along, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Ring of Honor had Ring of Honor number 382, and Britt Baker teamed up with Madison Rain to take on the Twisted Sisters of Thunder Rosa and Holla Dead. Classic heel versus babyface match, classic format. Britt Baker and Madison Rain both participated in that Fatal 4-Way back at All In. If you haven't seen that match, I recommend going and watching that because that is some kick-ass ladies wrestling right there. That is, that's some elite, elite, without pun not intended, some uh, some elite wrestling, man. This is pretty cool. I have seen the Twisted Sisters of Hall of Dead and Thunder Rosa recently for the first time over on Impact Wrestling, which also leads me to, to, to question how fluid are some of these cats contracts a lot of these cats just contracted to come in do a couple matches bounce along i don't know but i think it's cool to see them pop up here and there at the beginning of the match i i expected Britt baker and madison rain to, to take the win with a lot of these matches i probably should have mentioned I, i've been taking the notes as i go kind of doing like a, a commentary as with my notes with like a like a foggy little toasty commentary just just with some of the things that i like that stuck out to me so the Twisted Sisters, if you've never seen them, they got they got a pretty cool gimmick going on. I think they're both Hispanic. They're both Mexican, I believe. They've got like this Dia de los Muertos type type face paint, but it's almost done more of like a like a Connor and Victor type face paint. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I did not know that Hall of the Dead was trained by Gangrel because at a certain point she's she's stretching out Madison Rain and she does this this little thing where she's she's almost trying to lick her face or like eat her face. And and the the commentator pointed out that she had been trained by Gangrel. That was pretty cool. I thought that was a nice little homage. I hadn't seen that before. And, I, and every time you hear little names like that, that's what I think Impact Wrestling maybe does best. I don't. I'm sure you've probably seen the thumbnail by now. This past week of Scott Steiner popping up on Impact or Raven recently, Tommy Dreamer. Just little moments like that are 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 pretty cool. You don't need the Undertaker. You don't need Triple H to be main eventing things but every once in a while just to give a little a quick shout out just a quick homage back to the past just to make you remember like oh that was great gangrel how cool is he i don't want to see gangrel i don't want to see a full gangrel match in 2018 if you if he's still around hopefully he is if he's not rip gangrel i feel really bad about that but i don't want to see a full gangrel match just a little reminder about gangrel anyways Britt baker starts to get in there I, from what I'm noticing of Britt Baker, she's super fluid in the ring, man. I haven't seen a ton of Britt Baker. This is maybe only the second or third Britt Baker match I've seen. But I think she's dope. I think she's a great worker. It's promising for the women's division. I think she's going to be a, a great head of the women's division. Madison Rain hits a diamond cutter. Thunder Rosa kicks out. At a certain point, I believe Madison Rain's in the ring by herself. And the Twisted Sisters start to go to work on her. They have her stretched out. And they, they repeat that lick gimmick. And this time, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of hot. That, that whole lick gimmick done by the Twisted Sisters kind of hot gabby's laughing in the other room i don't know if it's out of approval or disapproval but anyways it was hot towards the end thunder rose is alone Britt baker hits her with the forearm madison rain hits her with the insiguri steps up Britt baker has a pump handle slam one two three called it right Britt baker and madison rain pick up the win here nothing on the line nothing on the stake just a pretty cool classic baby face heel match i dug it man Anyways, later in the in that episode, we also got a teaser for the Elite's last match in Ring of Honor. Apparently, it was an eight-man tag match, and I haven't seen it, but what it, from the looks of it, uh, they got decimated by Bully Ray and the Briscoes. 
I think some chairs were involved. I don't quite know, but it looked badass, man. They they said that it was going to be on their honor club. I don't know if it's. I think it's exclusively on their honor club. But as you can tell, I'm all in. So joining the honor club at this point, a financially doesn't make sense because I'm currently looking for a job. B isn't gonna make sense for you know where we're going with this. I can't. I can't in my good conscience. So join the honor club now when the elite has just left maybe a year ago or maybe a year down the road i will join the honor club wrestling's wrestling we got to spread that money but we also got to vote with our dollar if you think about wrestling in the term of movies i don't know how good all elite wrestling is but i'm voting with my dollar if you were excited for aquaman you were voting with your dollar look i could get there and we could get to double or nothing, and there could be a fucking octopus playing the drums. But until there's an octopus playing the drums, I'm going to put my money where I want to see more of things done in the future. Anyways, if you do have the hookup on that match, hook a brother up, because I do need to see that match. I should have mentioned at the beginning of this this section, you can watch all these Ring of Honor episodes, not the pay-per-views, like the numbered episodes for free on that Fight TV app. So if you don't have it, I would say check it out. Go see that 400 degrees there. Boom. Go see that ROH there. Boom. Two done. Anyways, in the head of headlining main event of the night, you had SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky basically having a rematch with the Briscoes, the 10-time Ring of Honor tag team champs, the Briscoes. Uh, if you did see Ring of Honor Final Battle a couple of months ago, then you know that SCU lost their belts at Final Battle in that ladder war what a crazy match there were three teams in that one so scu may have felt that they got gypped and they got the the bad end of the stick on that one but the briscoes just picked up some weapons and just went to fucking town back in that match anyways here we go rematch is about to kick off before the bell rings scu starts trying to pelt the briscoes with chairs they started playing some mind games with the briscoes basically at Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky are inside the ring and they start just like launching chairs in the direction of the Briscoes. It seems like they're missing them on purpose. Obviously, they're just trying to get in their head a little bit. I, th- I think it was a pretty cool gimmick, a pretty cool way to start the match, psyching them out, getting in their head. As we get going, one thing to, to me, I've only seen maybe two or three SCU matches with them being together, them teaming. You can see right off the bat, these guys are so quick, so precise, man. They're, I mean, Scorpio Sky and, and Frankie Kazarian have, have really, really good body control. They've got some good psychology there in the ring, and it almost feels like they are pinpointing, like almost Terminator style. Like when, when, he's, when Frankie Kazarian's going to hit a, a springboard or like a, a pendulum or something like that, he, you, you almost imagine like inside of his head is like that Terminator, like... Like the precise angle he needs to be, the precise velocity that he needs to be to hit this and make it look good. The match keeps going. At a certain point, Frankie Kazarian got both has both of the Briscoes hits him with a uh, diamond cutter and a DDT combo, and I thought that was pretty cool. I think I've seen it one time recently, but he he had some good precision on that on that uh, cutter and DDT. Speaking of DDTs, they pulled off a double team move that I hadn't seen at this point. Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian have one of the Briscoes. Scorpio Sky pops him up on on his shoulder, I believe, and Frankie Kazarian jumps down, spinning DDT. What a cool move, man. These guys are, are very inventive and super athletic. The SCU chants start going throughout the building. The place starts rocking, and you can, you can feel that we're getting closer to our finish here. Uh, at a certain point, one of the Briscoes is outside of the ring. Frankie Kazarian is inside of the ring, jumps over the rope, out of the ring, Hurricane Rana. Just indicative of the different styles that these guys have, have trained under. They've got a little lucha in there. They've got a little brawling. They've got a little bit of everything, man. Uh, we, we start to get back into it. The Briscoes take out chairs. They take chairs to Frankie Kazarian. Scorpio Sky, unfortunately, is, has the ref you know, detained at a certain point, and the Briscoes just start to go to work. We move along. Scorpio Sky hits a hurricane runner to Jay Briscoe while he's sitting on the top rope. Pfft, man, Scorpio Sky has got some hops. Unfortunately, though... We got FK in the ring by himself. The Briscoes hit the redneck boogie. One, two, three. Still your 10-time Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, the Briscoes. And that was all that we had for matches this week, man. That was all that I could find, at least. If you see some matches that you'd like me to cover as far as some All Elite signees coming for, uh, coming up, please shoot them to me over at All Elite Wrestling or Wrestling with Wrestling Shit at gmail.com. It's just me. I'm only finding these, these matches, particularly some of these small-ass matches, uh, by scouring people's Instagrams, some of these cats' Instagrams, and just seeing like who, what they're tagged in, and just hoping that I can find some matches to talk about. 
Anyways, keeping it pushing. Also, the next day, Monday, January 14th, we had a new episode of Being the Elite. We had a couple cool nuggets in there and just a couple cool little cool little callbacks. Uh, first up, we had the Bucks welcoming Britt Baker as officially the first woman signed to AEW. Very cool. And then they also had a callback to an older episode of Being the Elite, which I need to catch up on, where she, she says, are we not going to address the elephant in the room? You guys fucking murdered my boyfriend. Apparently, Britt Baker's dating Adam Cole from NXT from Undisputed Era fame. Who knew? If you're listening, maybe you did because you're probably a bigger wrestling fan than I am. But I'm I'm uncovering this all as we go. And to be honest with you, it's it's exciting. You know, like when you when you sit and watch a movie with somebody who hasn't seen a movie like or, or a movie based on real life. Like if you sit and watch Straight Outta Compton with someone who who's never heard of Easy E dying, and you get towards the end, and they're like, "Oh, what's gonna happen?" It's that it's almost that exciting. I get to go back and kind of rediscover these things for myself for the first time. Anyways, the Bucks then cut to them leaving Japan for what they're saying could be the last time in in a long time. They're not quite sure when they're going to go back to New Japan, and it looks like they're probably not going to be working with New Japan coming up. Anyways, they flew from Tokyo to Chicago to Jacksonville. This is all building up to the AEW Double or Nothing rally that took place over on the 8th, and this is kind of just some behind-the-scenes cool stuff, their side of getting to the rally. Uh, I guess they took the first half business class from Tokyo to Chicago, Dear God, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could last on a, on a plane from Tokyo to Chicago. I don't really have wanderlust as it is to begin with, but my bladder is gonna probably be the biggest reason why I can't be on on a plane for more than eh, hour and a half. Anyways, they had a t- full twenty four hours of travel time overall between the three the three trips. I guess they're they were claiming. Once again, we see that the Bucks got kids. The Bucks have fucking a lot of kids, man. And they just look beat. On top of being one of the best tag teams in the world, starting an upstart company or an upstart wrestling promotion, like a huge wrestling promotion, they also are traveling with their kids, man. So just a quick plug like we did last time. If you haven't already, go to ProWrestlingTees.com, pick up a t-shirt because the Bucks got kids. It's evident because uh, speaking of the Bucks got kids, they talk about how tired they're being. They spent two to three days over in fucking in Disney, Tokyo. I hate Disneyland. These guys are monsters. These guys are are tough. These are men. I could not last one full day in, to- in, in Disneyland, let alone coming back from Tokyo Disney, going back to more Disney. Whew. Anyways. We keep it. We keep it pushing in the episode. Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio say, "I repeat the Snickers bit, which I thought was funny, but I haven't haven't quite seen. I, I'm sure I'll think it's funnier when I go back and see the original bit. We get some double or nothing rally stuff. It's pretty cool to see the other side. Um, basically, them prepping themselves, some kind of just like hanging out. They maybe it's just because they're so tired, but they seem a lot more nonchalant than than I would assume one would be on the day of starting their upstart company. They have they probably just have to be beat. That's got to be what it is because." I mean, they seem pretty, pretty cool headed. Maybe that's just promising about their their personalities. Uh, the following day, they went behind the scenes, showed some of the uh, the double or nothing photo shoot. If you guys have been following their Instagram or Twitter account at this point, you've probably already seen the official poster for double or nothing. I don't know who shot it, but it kind of looked like it was shot by Alan Amato. I could be wrong, but it uh, it looks cool. It looks official. Everybody's kind of looking stoic, looking very heroic. Nothing too out of the ordinary. You got Jericho on there, SCU. Just a cool poster overall. I think it does pop. You got some footage of a lot of the cats like SCU and the Bucks hanging out and playing on the Jaguars practice facility. Pretty cool. Also after that, probably my favorite part of the episode, Cody uh, introducing MJF into the Being the Elite cast. Very, very cool. He walks him in and ba- uh, walks him into a room with the Bucks and Paige to introduce them, and basically says he's taking him or taking MJF under his wing. Very, very cool. He pops out of the room for a second. He does the old like, "Oh, hey, this is this is MJF," and then he walks out. And he's like, "All right, I'll be right back." And uh, as he's in the other room, and as soon as he leaves the room, MJF basically goes, "All right," like you know, basically turns to good cop, bad cop routine. Basically does the like. Look, motherfuckers, like, I'm better than all of you. You know it. And Cody pops back in the room to be like, hey, everything okay? And MJF basically goes like, oh, yeah, these guys are great. Awesome. Very cool. I loved that. Very, very funny, man. I think that's going to be a good opportunity. I think being the elite is a much better opportunity for these cats to to delve into their character going forward. 
than a lot of people are talking about. I know it's been one of the reasons that, the, that these guys in the elite so far have popped, but no one's really been talking about what the platform that BTE could be to help build cats as we get closer to All Elite Wrestling being something fully concrete in a weekly show. Being the elite could be one of the biggest tools. Anyways, the last thing that they show is the other side of the Jericho announcement. They show him in front of the pyro, in front of the fireworks. And it lo- I don't I, maybe it's just me, but it, I thought it looked cooler on on whatever phone or whatever camera this was shot on because it just looked real. You know, when when you watched it on the press conference, it looked expensive and it looked it looked very cool and it looked impressive. But at the same time, it still felt like a production. And some of the footage and I think some of the the advantage of being the elite makes you feel more like wow like you're you're not that you're there but it gives you more invested you know it almost gives you a a fly on the wall type view to a lot of things that are going on and i thought it was really cool that's it for the matches that's it for being the elite we're gonna move on to news this week in all elite wrestling news let's just start with the top of big chunk where everybody gets their wrestling news from let's get to the dave Meltzer wrestling observer newsletter chunk what did we learn from him this week first of all Big rumor, Kenny Omega has apparently passed on his WWE deal. That is crazy. When they're, I mean, it's to be expected that he's joining his friends, but with some of the numbers that are being rumored uh, or bandied, bantered about out there online to, to have been offered to Kenny Omega, talk about integrity, man, because everyone says that they want to go for creativity and artistic, you know, license. Once you're talking, it's a tens of millions of dollars i think all that goes out of the window but that's just me who knows maybe that's because i've never seen tens of millions of dollars in my life maybe that would change so they're saying that it's pretty much inevitable where we're just waiting till the 31st or february 1st to get word of him signing to all elite wrestling also there are some rumors circulating out there about kota abushi following up in kenny omega's footsteps and reuniting through the golden lover storyline over in aew Nothing too big has popped up about this, but I think where it came onto people's radars were over on Etsy and over and on some other some other fan sites. People were selling Golden Lovers merchandise and got hit with a copyright infringement that apparently came from All Elite Wrestling for Golden Lovers. Who knows? I don't know the val- the validity of that. That's why I didn't want to delve too much into that part. But that's just that's just what some of the birds are saying. All right. Would I be happy about this? Of course. I want Kota Ibushi over in AEW. What I've been seeing from him in New Japan recently, I think this cat's a hell of an athlete. I want him over there, but nothing concrete until some until we get more on that. I don't really want to talk about it too much. Also, Dave Meltzer claimed that he had particulars on the Young Bucks and Page's WWE contracts, or at least what they were offered. The word is that Triple H took lead on trying to recruit on the negotiations to trying to recruit some of the elite members, particularly the Bucks over to WWE. It's in some of the first articles. This is why I feel like journalism or pseudo journalism or punditry really needs to kind of get get stepped up or needs to needs to be, you know, checked a little bit because sometimes things become like telephone out there. And some of the first stories that I saw uh, it had been reported that there were, quote, 12 hours of conversations between Triple H and the Bucks. Cut to like a day later. I mean, everybody's reporting. The the story that everyone's reporting is the Young Bucks met with the, with Triple H for 12 hours to talk about the negotiations. So fuck you. No, who's going to spend? No one spends 12 hours in a room. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe if we're talking the mergers of Fortune 500 companies and are the Young Bucks. I'm not trying to look. I'm not trying to discredit how important the Young Bucks signing anywhere would be. I just think that we need to be more careful with when we're reporting things. What the the actual story was in the first place. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. The word of the particulars are. Uh, Hangman Page, Adam Page, was offered main roster money and a top spot over at NXT for his WWE contract. I think that's kind of cool. I think the main roster money for an NXT contract, I don't know what uh, Nakamura made when he went over to NXT, but I think it, it wouldn't be unheard of. Obviously, Nakamura was headlining the Tokyo Dome and then spent a whole year in the NXT system. So, this to me, this isn't wasn't as much of a, of a slap in the face as some people were treating it as. I thought it was par for the core. Apparently, the Bucks were offered AJ Styles money. I don't know how much AJ, much AJ Styles makes over in the WWE, but he's a top guy. I mean, former WWE champion AJ Styles. <sighs> That's some dollars. 
They were offered a Royal Rumble debut, weekly being the elite on the network. So instead of it being over on the YouTube channel, they were going to co-opt it, boom, put some money into the production, which I'm just going to say off the bat, I love being the elite, but if you get a little extra money, please get some audio stuff because sometimes it's hard to hear y'all. So they were offered a Royal Rumble debut, weekly BTE, and a a significant storyline heading into the road to WrestleMania as well as a six, this is the kicker to me, a six-month out clause in their contract. And that's something that I've never heard about. Apparently, obviously with the worries after wrestlers coming from New Japan or, or other indies not being really pushed the way that they should in WWE. I mean, some prime examples of that would be Anderson and, and Gallows. You know, uh, Finn Balor is really, I feel, being wasted. So I think having that kind of clause in their contract would have would be huge if they weren't happy with the way things were going after six months to be able to say we're out. It just felt like kind of a way to uh, to to keep off or defend off the impending AEW announcement, or at least to try and postpone it. That didn't work though. Talking more about contracts, just pivoting a little bit over to AEW contracts. Dave Meltzer also claimed that he had some news on some some people signing to AEW. Apparently, the word is Chris Jericho is being offered or was offered a quote much better than any contract that he's ever been offered for WWE. Now, whether that's in regards to just strictly money or money for the amount of dates that he's going to be required to fulfill per year over in AEW, that's a big tidbit. Not only did he, Dave Meltzer report this, but also over on Chris Van Vliet's YouTube channel. I've never seen the cat, but there you go. Boom, plug. I mean, he got a big he got a big get. Apparently, this cat said that he drove four hours there and four hours back to interview Chris Jericho. So, mucho respetado, Chris Van Vliet. He got this nugget out of Chris Jericho. Jericho said the words, it was the biggest offer of my career. Quote, that's money, baby. That's AEW money. Money is power. Jericho is power. And I don't think a lot of the cats that are going to be coming underneath him are going to be getting the same kind of offer. It's obviously because he's Chris Jericho, but it is promising to see maybe a ceiling and maybe even a glass ceiling. Who knows? Maybe somebody somebody as big or someone who will become bigger than Chris Jericho in the next five years could even stand to make more money with AEW. Who knows? I just think it's a great promising start. Dave Meltzer also claims to have some particulars on Joey Janela. Penelope Ford and MJF's contracts. Apparently, all three of these cats were signed to two-year non-exclusive contracts over at AEW, and I think that's super interesting. I think that's something that is going to need to get talked about here more in the coming weeks, the non-exclusivity of certain people's contracts, because I know currently the MJF is signed to a two-year contract with Major League Wrestling, Kurt Bauer's professional wrestling company over there and apparently he's saying that he's going to be able to, to fulfill both of his obligations so what that means going forward i don't know but i think it's promising uh, on that same subject something that kind of went under my radar here last week was hours after the double or nothing rally on january 8th there was some more press being had and i don't think a lot of those interviews either surfaced yet or had been spread around yet um but one thing that kind of caught my eye from that was Cody Cody was questioned and he spoke about the exclusivity of certain people. He said, quote, Joey will be able to do his spring break shows and Chris will be able to do his cruise. Uh, so, I mean, that's the end of the quote, but <laughs> I thought that was that was really, really cool. Um, a lot of these cats like Joey Janela and Jericho have really branded themselves around some of these events that they've been putting on in the in the past few years and that's really really important and i think them not only acknowledging that they need that income and they need that that notoriety is very cool is a very new way of thinking and is very opposite of old school wrestling which is like fuck you you're ours for now talking about his his own exclusivity and brandy's exclusivity he said quote brandy and i this is it this is longer than any WWE contract than he's ever signed. And I think Brandy went on to joke about, you know, the length of her, her contract as well. They said they're all in. This is this is it for the few of them. And I imagine that's going to be the same for the Young Bucks. I don't know how far down that goes, though. I mean, does that, does that go on to Paige? Does that go on to, you know, the women's division? Because I think that Paige would be going off to Dragon Gate fighting with Pac over there or or other people going off to other promotions for certain one-offs could drink could bring you know like a, a good drop back to AEW and I think some 
I think to filter or to siphon off of other people's pools is exactly what you need at the beginning, at least to show, you know, that the, the talent's going to be spread around and they're not trying to monopolize things, you know, which has been definitely been done before in the wrestling business. Also, during that same press scrum, it was revealed that Chris Harrington was going to be coming on board to AEW. At that time, they didn't say in what role, um, but since it's been talked about a lot, I didn't know who Chris Harrington was until this. Chris Harrington apparently has been a wrestling analyst and a co-host of WrestleNomics podcast for the past few years. I did some digging, and this cat is legit. This cat knows his business. He's got a website database that's full of wrestling contracts, that's full of financial uh, details about wrestling events and, and wrestler, like I said, wrestler agreements with promotions for years and years and years. I don't, I don't fully know this cat's background, but I'd like to learn more about him. He obviously knows knows a lot about the money of the business, and he on his pod. I did listen to his, his what he was claiming was his going to be his final episode of WrestleNomics, at least for a while, while he focuses on AEW uh, over there with his co-host. He confirmed that he is the vice president of business strategy for AEW. I I don't think I've heard that term in wrestling before, but I think that's very important. Cody went on to stress the importance of that. In that same press scrum, he said on on Chris Harrington, quote, he said, he's helping us go slow enough to take care of the people we want to take care of. Obviously, they're approaching this in a very different way. I think Tony Khan and and Chris Harrington can set up a, a very cool business model. Some of the some of the headlines that I saw earlier today were could AEW be the money ball of wrestling? Too early to tell. But this cat seems like he knows his numbers, he knows his business, and anybody who's gonna help all elite wrestling, you know, have the best shot that it can at succeeding and sustaining, I think is a great pickup. Last but not least, we had an article by Eric Thompson over on the last word of pro wrestling entitled is OEW All Elite's Biggest Get? Now, to me, OEW's been the biggest wild card. I, I didn't know anything about OEW. I tried, like I said last week, I tried to watch a couple clips, but just couldn't couldn't grasp onto it. So, anything, any stories that I can I can find that kind of delve into a little bit more of the background of, of OEW I've been looking at. Uh, this one confirmed that at least a Stronghearts faction is going to be in AEW. Uh, in some capacity, I think at the press conference they were miss. It was misspoken that the Good Hearts or was or something like that would be in AEW. But like I said earlier, the Bucks had just done 24 hours of straight travel with kids, so I imagine they probably got the pass on that. So learning a little bit more about AEW in this, I was just trying to pick things out that I that I could kind of take take with me. Uh, a lot of the cats apparently in OEW come from a Shaolin Kung Fu background. So that's, what I guess, what separates them a little bit, or I guess that's what drew the Bucks' eye to them. Uh, OEW's first show was not until February 1st of 2018. I mean, we're talking we're talking 11 months here, man. We're talking just barely past 11 months. Um, so they're obviously a very young upstart company. They announced the partnership with Dragon Gate back in May, which, along with Pac's involvement, I think is, is hinting towards more participation with dragon gate um going forward which means that i'm gonna have to learn more about dragon gate so if you've got any highlight dragon gate pock matches or strong heart matches to recommend send those to your boy that's gonna do it for news this week for all elite wrestling last but not least we're gonna round this episode out with your chances to catch some of these all elite wrestlers for the week of january 16th through the 24th uh if you're here in Los Angeles, when I say here, I mean like 70 miles west of where I am. If you're in Los Angeles, Wednesday, January 16th, Bar Wrestling is putting on the best city I've ever been to. It's a continuation of the SCU's worst tour. Uh, it's at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. SCU's going to be there. They've got, quote, an open challenge. I don't know exactly who they're going to face, but it's Los Angeles. There's a lot of cool cats on the on the card. There's some Impact Wrestling cats like Brian Cage, Taya Valkyrie. So you got some big names in there. I, I imagine there's going to be a cool surprise. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but if my ass wasn't so broke, I would have made that 70-mile trek to Los Angeles for that SCU Open Challenge. If you're there, send me some clips. I want to see some of this. Friday, January 18th, New York. 
You got your chance to see Penelope Ford. She's going to be at New York Wrestling Connection, a matter of pride. I think this is the first a matter of pride. It's being described as like a drag show meets wrestling. I think the quote said drag, RuPaul's Drag Race meets WrestleMania. I've, I've seen a lot of WrestleManias, but I've never seen any RuPaul's Drag Race. So if in the area, go check it out. Let me know how it goes. It's Penelope Ford is going to be in the main events. Penelope Ford and Sonny Kiss taking on Randy Summers and Rick Cataldo. Rick Cataldo. That's fun to say. Uh, send me some of those clips, man. If you're out there, go check out Penelope Ford because she is a babe. Uh, Saturday, the day after, you got one more chance. Boom, look at that. Another day of Penelope Ford. Saturday, January 19th, Concord, North Carolina, Queens of Combat, Long May She Reign event. This one, I don't know if it's a, ma- a main event or not. Penelope Ford is going to be taking on Diamante. I don't know Diamante, but like I said, Every chance you get to go see Penelope Ford while it's cheap, go do it. I think she's got a big future. I think she's gonna. I think she's really gonna blow when she gets to AEW. Last, lastly, this week, Sunday, January twentieth, San Antonio, Texas, at the Hybrid School of Wrestling. You got a pro wrestling seminar by a newly announced producer of All Elite Wrestling, Billy Gunn. Um, I think the tickets are for that one are like forty bucks. But if you're an up and coming wrestler, obviously. I would say that's worth it just for the, you know, just to go get some some FaceTime alone. If you get a, even a chance to go shake hands with Billy Gunn, just to pick his brain for a second and hopefully get him, hopefully at least plant that seed. Maybe he can remember you. Who knows? Billy Gunn's going to be out there spreading some good knowledge. That's going to do it this week, guys. That is this episode of All Elite Weekly. Whew. That was, that was a lot. Like I said, uh, you can catch me in a couple different places. This is going to be up each week in All Elite Weekly on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify is already up there. iTunes, I'm I'm not quite sure if iTunes is up there. I think it is. I submitted it, but I'm not quite sure if iTunes is up there. Instagram, hit me up, All Elite Weekly at all of these. I'm starting to delve into the back catalogs of everyone who signed to All Elite Wrestling in a performance capacity. If you go to that YouTube channel, uh, YouTube All Elite Weekly, I don't think I see URL, but look me up, All Elite Weekly. Uh, the play, I'm starting to make some playlists there, so I'm gonna start putting a lot of these cats' older matches. Boom, you can go back if you're interested and see some of their some younger Cody Rhodes action, some young Christopher Daniels action. As I get work my way through there, I'll start posting them there, man. And if I'm missing something or if there's something that uh, you think I need to look at, send it to me, please. If you have any interest in me doing any commentary on someone's older matches, let me know because I, I kind of want to have an idea for something I'd like to do regarding commentary so for some for some older All Elite wrestler matches. Starting next week, at least to close off the show, once I've got a little bit more under my belt, I'll, I'll be bringing in at least one highlight match from uh, uh, an All Elite wrestler in their back catalog for you to go check out. I'll be bringing one All Elite match each week. That's going to do it for me, guys. My name is Matt Cruz. I'm on Instagram at Matt Cruz Sucks. Uh, make sure you check out February 16th tonight when this drops as well. Talk is Jericho. His episode of his podcast, he says that he's going to be talking about signing to All Elite Wrestling, how it came to be from soup to nuts. That's going to do it for All Elite Weekly. Go be elite. <laughs>